0: This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. And this week, it's all about my panel at the Power Player Summit in Miami. This was just ahead of the Super Bowl. It was called Tackling Sustainability Through Sports. And we looked at different communities, different individuals. Al Guido, president of the San Francisco 49ers. Cynthia Marshall, the CEO of Dallas Mavericks. And Kirk Tanner, the CEO of PepsiCo Beverages North America. They came at sustainability from different Perspectives. It ended up being just a really rich and smart conversation. Al, let's start with you. <laughs> all right, San Francisco, you have this amazing stadium. I mean, you even have a dashboard, I believe, when you go there where fans can check out how green you are. Tell us about this stadium, why you guys did it.
1: Well, I think, first of all, thanks for having me here. It's an exciting weekend for us.
0: Oh wait! Oh wait a minute! I <laughs> forgot. I did this to him on the planning call. I'm like, all right, what are we going to talk about? Oh yeah, and congratulations on being in the big game. That
1: that game on <laughs> Sunday. Yes. Um, are you
0: relaxed?
1: I'm. Uh, it's. I'm a little getting a little anxious as the days go. Now the days are a little long, but uh, it's been a fun week so far.
0: Who do so, you think's going to win? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's I'm a lot of media kidding. in the
1: room. <laughs> 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 um, look, I, I think for us. Being in the Bay Area, it sort of it was a staple that we wanted to be green, we wanted to be sustainable. It came down, it was an edict from our ownership group, Jed York. We wanted to be the first stadium that was ever built lead Gold. There have been a number of stadiums that have opened and then became lead Gold, but it was important for us to do so. And a lot of things went into it. Some of it is the location in the stadium and where, where we picked it. Obviously all of us in the sports business have this challenge of having 70,000 people come down to a stadium. So how do you actually do that? How do you reduce the carbon footprint, the number of cars? Well, build a stadium next to two forms of public transit, get 15 to 18% of your people using those public forms of transit on game day. It's very, it was great for us. The second, we really wanted to be, you know, it was ambitious, but we wanted our game days to be powered by the sun. So we partner with NRG and SunPower. We have over 1800 photovoltaic panels in our building. We use that stored energy and we literally power Sunday via the sun. That's and amazing. then there's a number of other things in the recycled water. On top of our stadium we actually have a 27,000 square foot green roof where we actually use those products um, inside of our concession stands from our cooking perspective. but. At the very highest levels, I would say, it starts with ownership, it starts with leadership, it was important for our organization to really put a flag in the ground and make this an important thing for us, and I think a lot of the other stadiums that, that came on board after us followed.
0: Cynthia, I want you to come into it, because speaking of sustainability, you were brought into a situation at the Dallas Mavericks that wasn't sustainable correct so talk to us first of all i think everybody's probably heard the story mark cuban i think calls you right yes. and you're like who is this i didn't know him you didn't know who he was all well, right not
2: me either so it's okay
0: but you're a smart lady and you get up to speed yes. and you find out and you go to meet with him but you don't think you're going to take the job to work with the Dallas Mavericks. Tell us a little bit about what was going through your head and what you knew of the problem.
2: Right. Well, first of all, I had just retired from uh, AT&T. You were in retirement. Right. So I just retired, started a consulting company. uh, And it was a consulting company focused on leadership development, diversity and inclusion, cultural transformation. And so then I get this call and I went to talk to him. And on my way over to his office, I read the Sports Illustrated story. And that's when I thought, mm, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to want to be a part of this. Uh, but obviously the person who I talked to was so uh, focused on a culture transformation. And Mark says, I need you to come in. We have some issues here. I need you to come in and help us. And as I was leaving his office, two women stopped me to tell me their stories. I came back the next day. And said I got to do this. I just have to do this because what I have learned is it takes leadership. And you talked about that. And the tone has to be set at the top. So here's an opportunity to come in, uh, be a part of something truly that would be sustainable, to create a culture and a climate of diversity and inclusion. Not just diversity, because there's a difference, but true inclusion, a sense of belonging, uh, really having people wanting to be a part of it, really appreciating people. And so I got a chance to uh, do it, I said yes, and it's been 23 months, and the NBA just gave us the Inclusion Leadership Award for the progress. The work is not done, uh, but we've made a lot of progress
0: said, okay, congratulations. And I have to say, I've been quoting you because you say there's diversity and inclusion. Diversity being
2: asked to the party. Being invited to the party, inclusion is being asked to dance. So you can invite me to the party and have me as the only black at the table, the only woman at the table, and your numbers look good and I look good and we think we've done something great, but then I don't feel included. Because yeah. you haven't taught me the rules, you haven't taught me the dance steps, Everybody's doing something, all the fellas are doing it, but I don't know what you're doing. And so inclusion is about teaching me those moves and making sure that I can be successful at that table. And I wanna get
0: every, well, yeah, come would, on in, Would Kurt. you like
3: to dance?
2: Oh, keep shuffle, you gotta keep shuffle. let's go.
0: Let's do it. I would love that. Um, Kirk, come on on in on this because as you, you know, in our prepping phone call, you reminded us Indra Nooyi talked about performance with purpose. She did that back in, I think, 2006, and I feel like now everybody talks about people, profit, planet, right? It's become very common. When she did it, I think people were like, well, what are you talking about? This has been come, you go to to the PepsiCo website, it's ingrained in your culture, Talk to us about sustainability at PepsiCo. And I mean, it goes all the way up.
3: Absolutely. Um, Indra started with Performance with Purpose, and we've built on that with Winning with Purpose. And I would say sustainability is center plate. It's as important as profit, revenue, share, volume. Sustainability is right a part of it. We talk about our business in faster, stronger, and better. And under better, we are attacking the sustainability opportunity. Of course, plastics is a big opportunity for us. We are working incredibly hard. We're leveraging our partnerships with the NFL and the NBA to drive awareness, education, because we do believe every plastic bottle can come back as another plastic bottle if it's recycled. And that's our mission. Our mission is really to reduce our our virgin plastic, to uh, recycle, inspire consumers to recycle, and then the third one is to reinvent, and that's things like our SodaStream acquisition. It's things that are outside the bottle. So we think we can. We have to win across all those platforms.
0: Well, and I do think about we asked this of the athletes who are on stage about their responsibility, about you know having incredible platforms and to be you know social agents of change. And I do wonder how you folks see it, Cynthia. I want to go back to you for a moment. I mean, the Me Too. Movement certainly got it all out front and center. Tell me about the culture though that you walked into At the Mavericks because from what I understand. I think you said to me um, people were saying hey, don't worry Don't worry about her. She's gonna be gone in 90 days. It's just about optics. That's a
2: culture. That's tough to change Right. That's a culture that says we don't want to change. It's been like this for 20 years. Uh, It's a place that uh, is not as friendly to women That you know, like you want it to be. And so change is difficult. Uh, But I got a mandate. Mark Cuban gave me a mandate to change the culture. He was serious about it. He wanted a different culture. And we brought in a leadership team. And our team now is 50% women, our leadership team from zero, 50% women and 47% people of color. So we have a diverse leadership team around the table, and we're all on the same page. We put a set of values in place, the spells, crafts, character, respect, authenticity, fairness, teamwork, and safety, both physical and emotional safety. And what I told the team is that these wouldn't just be on the walls, these words, but they would operate in the halls. Everything we do, every decision we make, every hire we make, everything will be about this set of values and this culture. And I got all the backing in the world from Mark, and we're doing it. We're doing it.
0: Well, and Al, come on in on it, because I do think, you know, it's got to start from the top. I mean, there's, you can greenwash something and say, hey, yeah, we should be doing this, and then there's actually doing it. I mean, you guys, when you set out doing a stadium, was there any pushback? I mean, you're in San Francisco, so I feel like that's an environment where if you're going to do a stadium like you did, it's perfect. But tell me about 10 years ago when you started talking about it, were some people like, eh, how do we really need to do that
1: uh, on the stadium front yes. yeah there, i mean in california there we were the first new stadium built in 50 years so not an easy place to get things done sometimes um but i think from our perspective it's a privately financed building which was important to the ownership group right we wanted to give back into the community and i think this topic is fantastic in the current world that we're in in sports and i what this lady is done down there. I, I don't. It's. It can't be. It's understated up here, frankly. It's a complete turnaround, and we're really proud from our organization. The two teams playing in the Super Bowl this weekend are run by females. Denise De York.
0: is owned Yes. All right. Say that again. Say that again.
1: The, the two teams playing in the Super Bowl are owned and run by females.
0: Woo! Woo! Talk about metrics.
1: Yeah, we're, we're unbelievably proud. We have the first female coach coaching in the game on Sunday with Katie Sowers.
2: That's so awesome. We have three That's minority
1: awesome. coordinators that work for the San Francisco 49ers. Our front office is highly diverse, and so it is unbelievably important. You know, our goal this weekend is obviously to win a Super Bowl. We talk about our why. Our why is to go a step further for someone so they feel part of our family. And that reverberates around every decision. It is the lens in which we look through when we make hiring decisions, when we make business decisions, whether it's on the field or off the field. And I'm so proud of it's not just about what these guys do or what these people do on Thursdays and Sundays and Mondays. It is about what they do in the community after fact. And I think the greatest thing about the today's current athlete is they they're more than what they portray on the court or the ice or the field and things matter to them and when you ask them to get involved in something it has to be a passion project for them for it to really matter but when it is the difference it makes in our communities and across the globe i mean it's staggering and so we have a tremendous group of individuals inside of our our team we have a a great group of players that are really outspoken on a lot of these topics and frankly we encourage it We think this debate is healthy and uh, it's, it's nice to be on a platform like the Super Bowl to be talking not just about the game itself but all of these other tremendous or important issues.
0: Well, Kirk, come on in on this, because all right, I think of PepsiCo, one of the great global brands that are out there, and you do have an, a partnership with the NFL, you partner with a lot of different sports franchises. We are, I think, in a very critical juncture where these athletes, team owners, leagues, can really help push the needle on some really important issues. What do you think about that, in terms of a corporate perspective, when you're thinking about sponsorships?
3: Yeah, I think it's critical. <clears throat> and, I, and I think in today's world, you want to surround yourself with partners that have this high-performance mentality. And high-performance only comes from diversity and inclusion. And I think this vision of purpose. So it's, it's much more. We talked about it before. It isn't just about the bottom line or the top line. It is about the longevity of the partnerships you want to create. And that comes down to sustainability and having a high-performance culture. That's, that's who you surround yourself with. I think PepsiCo does a really good job surrounding themselves with partners that have the same passion to do things the right way. I think that's really important to us.
0: Well, and it's interesting. I know at PepsiCo, and I want to bring you in, Cynthia, but you guys, it's, I think about you go back a few years and it was like if you created a sustainability office, it was in the back room, and I don't know what those guys are doing. They're getting paper cups you can recycle. It's not that way anymore, and it's not that way I know at PepsiCo, right? The CEO's involved. The oh. C-Suite's
3: involved. Yeah, absolutely. We have a senior leader in Simon Loudon, one of our top executives. He's over sustainability. Uh, It's a part of our KPIs. So we have our performance metrics every year across from top down and we have specific goals against this that are as important as our financial performance. It is top to bottom or bottom to top. Everybody in the organization believes in it. And I'll say one more thing. If you want to attract talent into your organization, So if you're attracting that person graduating from college and you don't have a sustainability agenda and are passionate about it and make it real, they won't come to work for you. It's that plain and simple. They'll find some place that will, you know, meet that need and that's focused on sustainability.
2: And I I just wanted to jump in and say that's one thing that I truly love about our players. We start our preseason with a day of service. We figure if we can serve, if we can start by serving each other. Then we can serve our fans. Uh, we can serve others, and we go out into the community. And they are so passionate about it. And even when something happens, like when you look at what JJ Berea did uh, when we had the crisis in uh, Puerto Rico, uh, they step up. Immediately, when we get new players, the first thing they want to know about is what are you doing in the community, or what are you focused on, here's our personal passion, can you help us with that. So they are champions on and off the court. Uh, we put together a community impact report last year and we used the NBA's tagline, this is why we play, because they will tell you, the players will tell you and our leadership will all tell you, yes, we play for the fans and we play for what's on the court. But we play a lot for what's off the court, what truly is happening in the community. And to your point, when we get new employees, they want to know what are we truly about that is happening in the community. What are the passion points? What kind of issues will we take a stand on? That's how you attract talent, that's how you attract good players, that's how you keep them.
0: Are we doing enough though?
2: Because we think about diversity, right? No, you
0: don't even have to
2: finish. No, (laughs) no, there is more to do. There's clearly more to do. You can look around this room. There is more to do.
0: So all right, so
2: I want to get to you guys. So what more can we do? Having you had to make some drastic changes at the first of all, I think we have to really understand and appreciate and digest the business case for diversity and inclusion. And you gave it. I mean there's a financial impact to having yeah, a diverse Cynthia, group of people that are included. It's show, dollars and cents.
0: No, no, no. Hallelujah. But I've been, we've been talking about those studies, right, for how long in terms of diversity, the importance of a diverse board or a diverse executive suite, how important it is to financial performance. And but yet, you have
2: to do it, though. Okay, but I mean, You have to do it. We so, turned around our leadership team and the makeup of it in 90 days. Talking is one thing, but you, you don't just talk about it. You have to be about it, and you have to make it happen if you want change. Kirk, what do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I agree. I think actions speak louder than words. Um, And I think that uh, for a company like PepsiCo, we're serving the community. We're trying to engage consumers. We're trying to win consumers over. And if you don't reflect the consumers that you're trying to serve, you have no chance. So if you don't have the diversity and inclusion, you won't create the right brands. You won't develop the right products and you won't be able to talk to consumers. So it's this full circle that uh, returns, and I believe that diversity and inclusion is a direct impact on financial performance, 100%. Um, to go faster, I think it's all about holding each other accountable for it um, and keep raising the bar. So we'll make an achievement, but you have to keep raising the bar because it's a journey. We're not there and there's a long way to go, but I think you've you got to keep you know, moving and pushing the the target forward. <clears throat>
1: uh, the answer is no. Um, but I'd say, in our world in sports and entertainment, I would say it's gotten a lot better. Um, but we're not where we need to be yet. You know, this past hiring season, the NFL, you know, did not, uh, you know, we did not wind up with a minority head coach outside of Ron Rivera that got hired with the Washington Redskins, and so. I think what Art Rooney did years ago in the NFL, and I was at a uh, function the other night, the Fritz Pollitz Alliance, where Prague Marate, who works for us, won an award. We need at the NFL and across our entities, on, certainly on the business side, we need to put in place policies that lead to change, right? If we continue to just say, hey, you know, bring a diverse state of candidates, but let that same hiring manager hire there's going to be human bias in that. And so at the San Francisco 49ers what we've done is we've instituted the Rooney Rule across our entire organization. Cuz what we said is why should it just be coaches? Why shouldn't it be executives as well? And we need a diverse candidate for every open position. Every position we have, we post. And every single time we bring in a diverse slate of candidates and we interview across business verticals. So even if that person is interviewing for a job on the GNA side, folks in the sales and marketing department will make sure they interview. And then we'll grade that person on a scale across 5 or 6 or 7 people because we think it's the best way to take an overall look at a candidate as opposed to just letting the hiring manager dictate who or who they may want to hire. And I think sometimes that hiring manager they don't really know it until they get outside perspective around what that person can mean to their organization or their business line and how it may change. And I think Kirk said it so well. It's how you view yourself a little bit. If we were just to view ourselves as an NFL football team, my answer might be different. But we're an NFL football team and we're a sports entertainment property and we're a fabric of our community. And we, have fans across all different spectrums.
0: That was Al Guido, president of the San Francisco 49ers, Cynthia Marshall, CEO of Dallas Mavericks, and Kirk Tanner, the CEO of PepsiCo Beverages North America.
3: And you've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra.
0: Be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser.
3: And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg.